Hello, everyone. Welcome back to I See What You're Saying, the Discipline Listening Podcast. I'm Michael Reddington, and today I am so grateful to be able to introduce to you our next guest, Rudy Carson. Rudy is somebody whose story is probably impossible to relay in such a short format, um, but somebody who collects and shares wisdom in a way that I have rarely, if ever, otherwise experienced it. He's had a significant impact on my personal and professional life. And for me, I am so excited to be able to share his communication, his perspective, how he enters into conversations with everybody else. Uh, To set the background just a little bit, Rudy at his heart cares about people and philanthropy and giving back and helping and reaching others as much or more than anybody else. End of conversation. From a professional standpoint, He grew Conexa to where he was able to sell it for a record deal to IBM. After that, he started Carlani Capital. Carlani Capital is a company that invests in fast-growing technology companies that enrich humanity. And that last piece is a piece that's very important to him. Along the way, he's also written a New York Times bestselling book called We how to improve performance and profit through full engagement. The list of his accomplishments, the awards he's won, the boards that he sits on, the amount of boards he sits on alone should be an indication to people of how valuable his perspective is in any given situation. So for me, I'm thrilled that he was willing to take the time and have this conversation with us so we could share some of his perspective with you. And as you'll see, he challenges me a little bit throughout the conversation, which I appreciated very, very much. So before we go any further, of course, we've got to thank our sponsors, our friends over at Humantel. If you are interested in continuing to expand your ability to understand what people are likely thinking and feeling based on interpreting their facial expressions and changes in their nonverbal behavior, head over to Humantel. Intel.com. And when you do enter the code INQUASIVE25, I-N-Q-U-A-S-I-V-E-2-5, so you get a 25% discount off of all their online training. Also, please check out Emotional Intelligence Magazine, ei-magazine.com, and experience their ever-growing library of emotional intelligence-related content from podcasts to videos to articles and beyond please check them out. And of course, especially if you're an investigative interviewer, please head over and check out the International Association of Interviewers at CertifiedInterviewer.com. From their CFI designation to their educational events, to their legal updates, to their educational resources, to the groups that they have set up for investigators to support each other. It's a wonderful organization dedicated to furthering the industry of interview and interrogation and making sure investigators in any format are conducting morally, legally, and ethically successful conversations whenever they sit down to obtain the truth. So please check out the International Association of Interviewers as well. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you for sharing your time. And without further ado, Rudy Carson. Good afternoon, Rudy. How are you? Uh, Same shit, different day, man. (laughs) Well, hopefully it's good shit today. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Okay, So Michael, let me ask you a question. That response threw you off. And I detected a certain level of discomfort on your part. Very, very slight. Am I correct? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, my my literal first reaction was, I wonder how many people are going to get offended by same shit, different day. And then I thought to myself, if people are getting offended by the word shit, then they should probably be listening to a different conversation. That was it. So now, 
How did I know that? I would guess the hesitation and the smile. No. Your aura moved. Really? You actually, the aura to aura connection between the two of us went through a slight shift. And I sensed it. No kidding. So if you start from a place of, I love people. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't love people. I love people. And you, there is a second thesis that says, let me ask you a question. Do you have a soul? I believe so. You believe so you don't? You know you don't know. That's a great question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with I believe so. Um, but I see where you're going with the, like, the confidence. Do I know or do I not know? I'm going right. to upgrade and say I do know. I do consider myself to be a spiritual person to go that far. So, yes. I don't have a soul. The soul has me. Oh, wow. I am a small part of this eternal journey of the soul. And because that's part of my belief system, it allows me to accept the fact that you have a soul and that I can actually connect with people beyond the five senses. And so when I want to listen to Michael, I start from the fact that I love the guy. Like we've met before. I think the world of you, I think you're a really, really outstanding author. But most importantly, you're a really caring person. You really care about people. Because of those attributes, we connect. And that's what I'm listening to. So I know we're talking about communication and I know we talk about listening, but I think where our belief system sits is the way we unlock keys in people and in ourselves. So if we start from a place of recognizing who we are and going back to what I thought was an incredible way you closed off your book when you talked about the mind's eye. The mind's eye is that place in yourself where you can silence your ego so you're open to information. I love it. So when I said, same day, different shit. You were thinking about, as you said, what's the audience going to think? But what you were maybe saying is, oh, my God, I have somebody here who could go off the rails. Now, how am I going to use my ego to control the guy? (laughs) So you see, there are so many layers to that. So let me hit pause there and say, am I wrong when I read you? The first half, no. The first half, no. The second half, yes. Without a doubt, when you said same shit, different day, there was a hesitation on my behalf for two reasons. The first being, I just didn't expect it. We just talked for a couple of seconds. I figured I would get kind of the standard. I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? So I didn't expect it. 
the second was what I told you. you know, I think we've all progressed to a point where hopefully words like that don't bother people. But in the off chance it did, that's where it went the second time. But I will say I wasn't worried about you going off the rails for a couple. That's of reasons. interesting. Go yeah. ahead. For, for a couple of reasons. One, we spent some time together before. So one of the reasons why I love talking to you is because I feel like there are no rails. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to go off the rails if there aren't any to begin with. And just knowing a little bit about who you are, how you think, how you communicate your background, I feel like I could say nothing for the next 60 minutes. And everybody who listens to this conversation is going to walk away with immense value just based on the thoughts that you share in the order that you choose to share them. So you did catch me for sure on the hesitation and the slight discomfort as I was thinking, okay, where do I go from here? But keeping you from going off the rails, I didn't go that far. Now, I'll, I'll say something else to you. When I asked you if you had a soul, I sensed happiness with that question. Am I correct? Yes. Why were you happy? Uh, there was also some hesitation there as well, because just for me personally, I don't generally talk about spirituality and those kinds of things publicly. I've got no problem doing it. It's just kind of one of those third rail-ish topics that I, I typically don't discuss. Um, but for me, I do have this feeling that the universe is connected. Like things happen for a reason. You know, karma is probably putting too broad a label on it. Um, but I definitely feel like there's a, a greater force in the universe, whatever it may be. Um, Eastern philosophy has always fascinated me. A good friend of mine used to teach Eastern philosophy at the university level. And I can only pretend to hold a conversation with him for about 10 minutes. I don't have the understanding he does, but it's always fascinated me. So for me to stop and think about that question for a moment when you asked it, again, surprising me twice in the first 90 seconds we were talking to each other. Yes, it did make me feel happy. But you said something really crucial there, right? You said we are interconnected. Our bodies are then signaling what our minds wish the others to hear. But there's another level of interconnection that's taking place. Can you tune into that and improve your listening skills? I think the answer is yes. Well, that's, it goes how, back. I, that's yeah. how I listen. I've experienced that. And it goes back to something that you mentioned earlier in a com brief conversation we had over lunch in Dublin, if I recall correctly, yes. when you brought up the topic of egoless listening. Yes. And for me, and to the degree we probably say it differently, but we feel the same, in order to truly observe and listen and connect with somebody else, you almost have to vacate your own mind. We're always thinking, of course, but if I am too wrapped up in what I feel or what I want, then I'm not going to be able to observe and make that connection with who, the person I'm speaking with. So I'm very curious how you arrived in practice, what you refer to as egoless listening. So there is a really interesting book by Michael Neubauer, who is a neuroscientist. It's called No Self, No Problem. In one of the experiments he carried out, he was able to see an interesting, for lack of a better word, reaction of the brain on certain words. So if you said, my nose, a certain part of my brain lights up. 
you say my ears, my friend, my planet, my spouse, whatever, my partner, different parts of the brain light up. But when you say myself, nothing lights up. So is the self, which is a part of the ego, simply a construct of the left brain, which is his contention? It's pattern recognition to show the importance of our being in order for us to justify our presence. So when I am listening to Michael, the, if I can just say this is all about Michael, because when I say my friend Michael, something lights up in my brain. When I say myself, nothing lights up. So you, in effect, are more important. So the kind of the, 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 the methodology I use, and you might have experienced this back in Dublin, you are better than me because you have knowledge I don't have. You may not be better than me in everything, but you are better than me. And so what I do is I put Michael on a throne and I pay homage to him because then I can learn from him. And when I pay homage to Michael, he's not accustomed to that because people don't do that generally. And when you do that, people remember you. And when you do that, they're more honest with you. And because I love people, it's easy for me to put them on a throne, pay homage to them, sit at their feet so I can soak in their knowledge. And so I have this mental image where you're sitting on a throne, I'm sitting at your feet, and I'm soaking in the knowledge you're imparting to me, which is what you were doing in Dublin, which I found so enriching and so thoughtful, and so powerful in improving my own skills. So you gave me a lifelong gift because you shared of yourself in a matter that was pure. You were acting as a teacher. And you said, here, you can have this. And I went, wow. And that's how the frame, that's the framework I use when I'm with somebody. It's, it happens all the time. It's very natural. I believe it. it. Yeah. And it doesn't take any effort. Is that something that you have? And by the way, that was a supreme compliment that you issued earlier. So I don't want to continue without thanking you for it. The, let me, the, okay, let me ask you a question. Sure. Why did you have the need to thank me? What were you listening to from me to create that need? It's the respect that I feel for you that creates the need. So you didn't hear anything from me of the need to get that acknowledgement. 
No, nothing in your delivery said that it was required or expected. So there was a need inside you to show gratitude and appreciation, and you chose to listen to that. Yes, sir. So now you can see how kind of you yourself are responding as you're listening to me. There is two waves, right? There's the wave of my own needs, which is then emerging from your ego. Maybe, maybe not. And the other is the needs of Rudy. And sitting there are the needs of the listeners. So there's this, almost this matrix and framework that you're playing in your head as we continue this conversation. But at a pure level, if you can eliminate your needs and the needs of the audience, but simply look at my needs, you're not with me on a throne. And basically giving me, paying me homage. So I just wanted to make sure that I was able to construct what I was saying in a way that people can practice it. I believe so. And in this conversation, I honestly believe that if I serve your needs, then the audience's needs and my needs are automatically taken care of. That's how I think about it. So that my needs are really a figment of my imagination. I don't need to check if you're a liar or not. You will, if I listen carefully, you will tell me. Your spirit, your body will communicate that, as you said in your book. You talked about the body, you didn't go to the spirit, but I'm saying your body and your spirit will tell me everything I need to know. Because, for example, right now, in the last 30 seconds, you were completely engrossed in what I was saying. Like you weren't thinking about yourself, you weren't thinking about the listeners at all. That's the magic I'm talking about. You were 100% in the moment. That's what I'm referring to. It, from my opinion, the amount of, I don't know that practice conditioning might be a better word, conditioning that that takes. It might come naturally to some people. I certainly don't have the degrees required to be able to determine who is you know, predetermined to be better at this or not. Why did you choose to put yourself in the middle of that dialogue? What was that internal need that made you say that? Was it a need to show humility? So what I heard was a sense of, I'm going into a terrain where I'm a little uncomfortable. So I sensed your discomfort. And you projected that discomfort. Now, again, I'm listening to you. So I... For your benefit and the benefit of the listeners, as I see these things happening, I'm pointing them out so that they see if they see or sense the same thing. But what happened was you lean slightly back and your hand actions were more natural. Sometimes your hand actions are more planned. And you can tell the difference between the hand actions that are planned for emphasis 
and the hand actions that happen quite naturally. I would say yes, the need for humility. To answer your question directly would, yes. would be the need for humility. And to confess, it's something my wife is consistently, consistently might not, it might be too strong a word, but is relatively consistently working with me on being a little bit too self-deprecating, a little bit too self-effacing. Um, but certainly when it comes to particular areas of expertise, like being able to diagnose somebody, you know, that's, that's not my background. Um, it's not your education. Don't confuse your education with your knowledge. It's a great point. You have acquired the knowledge through your lifelong learning on listening. You may be better equipped than greater than 50, 80% of the therapists in listening. However, you may not be as equipped in healing. So it's really important that we think about the world in a nuanced format. Like listening doesn't necessarily mean healing. So Michael, as a teacher, is supremely confident in the knowledge of listening and communication. He is not supremely confident in the art of healing. Let's identify. So everything you say or write or do around communication comes across as one of the world's best students in this area. Because the, I've never heard you describe yourself as an expert. Because, And I agree, by the way, because the minute you become an expert, you start to calcify. You think I'm better than the next person. And you don't suffer from the disease of being an expert. You're a great student of the art of listening. And you soak in all that information as you gather through the years, through the interactions with, I mean, you know, whatever, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. I was going to say thank you again. So thank you. <laughs> and then we'll move on. I had, I've never separated listening and healing like that before. I think that was, that was a great point for people in their personal lives, for people in their business lives. While those two skills certainly overlap, they're not one and the same. And I never thought of it that way. Here is the best gift you can give somebody is listen to them deeply because we all have this yearning to have our stories heard. When you listen to somebody deeply, they will never forget. They will never forget you. You don't do it for that reason, but you do it for a reason that every time you give a gift, you get richer yourself. And giving the gift of listening 
allows you to experience humanity in its fullest and richest form. And that's what you get in return. Agreed. And I recall a time years ago now where you and I probably hadn't talked in at least a year. I called you with the specific question, repeated to you something you had said to me prior, and you stopped me in my tracks and said, you listen to me. Thank you. And I remember thinking, I believe everybody listens to you. <laughs> they should listen to you. Uh, but I, I recall that. I'm often asked, especially the more I work with CEOs, key business leaders, why I think my teammates and I, former teammates and I, were so consistently successful in the, the realm of investigative interviewing. And obviously, those men and women are extremely skilled. So we want to keep that in mind. But after being asked that question several times, I arrived at an answer I've repeated every time since, which is I truly believe we embrace the universality of the human experience. That nearly everybody we spoke to would have made a different decision had they been experiencing a different set of circumstances. There were probably a few people along the way that were <laughs> do bad things, if you will, no matter what. But the majority of them, and I'm not absolving them for their actions. I'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences. But understanding the things that we all have in common, just being human beings in our experience and allowing that to guide the connection that leads people to share sensitive information under vulnerable circumstances in the face of consequences, which is really what we did. And it's what business leaders do every day. And so let me build on that and riff off what you've said, because the, the language that I use is at the highest level. Most of our thoughts and our intentions and our actions emerge from the domain of what I call fear or love or yin and yang, right? We live in a yang or a fear-dominated world. We don't pay enough homage <clears throat> to yin or love. We weren't born without love. We were born with love. There might be a very small percentage of the planet that was born out of yang or fear, either a kid from a rape situation or some sort of planned pregnancy to dominate over something. But that is a very narrow band of people. A majority of people were born through the act of love. If we can tap into that, the listening experience and the communication experience changes. Because that's the world of healing, it's the world of nurturing, it's the world of creativity. And yang isn't a bad place. I mean, it's the world of scaling, it's the world of abundance, it's the world of technology. It's like we need them both. That's enriching our own human experience. The reason I believe that you are exceptional at what you do is because at the core, 
you do two things. You don't judge and you forgive easily because you don't hold the grudges. Because you don't judge and you forgive, the other person can sense it and therefore they open up to you. Because I can be who I am. You're not going to judge me. And if for whatever reason I may say something, it goes back to what you said, which is most people in most situations don't really want to hurt somebody. It's life circumstances that created that outcome. And then the importance you put on the punishment part. I'm not saying don't get me wrong that they should not be pursued. You said that with not as much emphasis. Because deep down inside, you don't believe retribution is the only way to correct bad behavior. There are other ways to correct. So even in the way you delivered your message, the conviction around retribution wasn't as strong as the first part of your sentence when you were talking about the fact that people in a majority of situations with majority of people do not lead their lives with the intent to hurt. So if I go back to that statement you made, again, for the benefit of the listeners, am I correct in that assessment that the conviction was higher on the first half of this thought as opposed to the second half? So again, you articulated and communicated that. I heard it. You are correct. So, so you can even nuance thinking around conviction of a statement, not just the truth or the untruth, but there are so many different drivers and dimensions that you can measure, one of which is conviction. I love it. You are barking up my tree, speaking my language. In the vast majority of conversations, determining whether somebody is lying or telling the truth is a worthless endeavor. It's more, it's more focused on us. It's feeding our perceived needs. It creates unnecessary and unhealthy emotions. It creates division. doesn't lead to positive results. Understanding where people's emotions are shifting, where their confidence or conviction might shift, those types of things are of supreme importance to try to understand during a conversation. Because now we can connect with somebody on a much deeper level. They can start to believe that we understand them without us having to tell them that we understand them, which creates a more sincere pact, if you will, between the two or, or connection between the two. So being able to recognize, th- recognize those things in real time within the context of the conversation, that is, in my opinion, a superior skill for somebody to develop. I'm here. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm curious, without getting into details that are none of my business, you have been successful beyond anybody's metric at any level, business, personally. The conversation we're having right now, and this is, I think, funny in my sense of humor, because you refer to yourself as a unicorn builder. This is a unicorn conversation. For all the CEOs I've worked with, I don't know... I might have run into a handful that prescribe to 
parts of your philosophy, but I have not met a single other. The closest was actually another gentleman in Dublin. I've not met a single other that is so dedicated to learning and experiencing what other people have to offer and the value that they can get from other individuals. At the top level of organizations, I, it's, I run into people that say that. I run into few that live it. No one to your degree. Why do you think that, so cha- that mindset is so challenging for other people to buy into. In order for the species to survive, we went through a hierarchical mode, right? This is going to kill me. This is not going to kill me. And in that hierarchy, we have this need to place ourselves in a place of importance. A whale doesn't go swimming around saying, I'm important because I'm the biggest animal on the planet. It doesn't have that conscious thought. We believe that the quality of our lives improves with our sense of importance. What I have learned is it's the opposite. The more important I think I am, the poorer the quality of my life. Because then I'm busy being important. To what purpose? So... At the end of the day, if I know my soul's journey is eternal, as internal as I can mentally picture it out, and I'm having a physical experience, what I want to do is learn because that's the highest order of joy I get. When I'm learning, I can actually feel my brain getting rewired. I can actually feel new neurons get formed. And then just cherishing that new information is so soul energizing it you know one of the things that makes me really happy is when i find out i'm wrong because when i'm wrong i've learned something new so if if i learn something and i go oh i was wrong there like i literally start laughing i become so happy i go wow i learned something new The new information that arrived to get me to change the way I view the world is almost like a rebirthing process. It's almost like I become a child again. I become an infant again. And infants are either crying or laughing. And if they have their food and they finish their poop, they're laughing, right? (laughs) 
So I think from a perspective of getting my life's journey to be as rich as possible, my sense of importance does not contribute to the richness for me personally. Mm -hmm. If you go back and trace your own lives, what you will remember more than anything else will be meaningful interactions. You will you might remember your first race, but you won't remember your second or third or fourth race. But when your boss helped you understand something and it was meaningful to you, you're more likely to not remember that. See, life's richness for me is a collection of meaningful experiences. Meaningful experiences are directly correlated to my ability to listen to what's happening around me. And that's how you find them. All powerful, all true. I'm better off leaving that as it is than, than trying to add to it. If people were looking to develop that philosophy, if people are truly interested in letting themselves go, being open to learning, being happy when they're wrong, are there early mindset shifts, practices that you might recommend to help them get started on that journey? I would start at the basic, the source of life is breathing. Without that's the one thing that we can live the least without. So simply force yourself to say, Am I breathing in a way that I'm energized by? Am I drinking the right amount of water to enhance my body? Am I, from a nutrition and health perspective, am I taking care of my basic hygienic needs? The second thing I would suggest is really start with this idea, people call it mindfulness, meditation, stretching, whatever words you use to describe it, it is slowing down your brain to enhance your experiences. The left brain's job is to keep you alive. Therefore, it's always scared. Because keeping you alive means running away from things. That's that job. 
the right brain's job is to engage in humanity, to bring joy. So there are times when you need to run away, but don't do it all the time. Add in this idea of meditational mindfulness. I think curiosity is a talent that we're all born with. It is then systemically and systematically beaten out of us. To the point where we've forgotten what it was like to be a child and to experience something new and the glee that we felt when we realized the first taste of ice cream or whatever it was. In order to reawaken the joy of curiosity, create Create a framework for yourself where you focus on questions you're going to ask rather than statements you're going to say. When you're running the podcast and when you're doing the podcast, you personally might get more benefit out of every podcast than any listener may because you have framed the questions for your benefit. It happens naturally to you. You're, you're a curious person. You have a strong desire to understand. And that's the Third component, I would say, is understanding is not acceptance. Understanding is acknowledgement. That's all. Just seek to understand. And I think I would probably finish with this last comment. I would rather be interested than interesting. Because <laughs> that's the fuel to curiosity. Being interesting is the fuel for probably unhappiness. That's my framework, which doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It just is my framework. Well, if, I follow, is- if I follow the path of interesting, every time I've gone that route, it has ultimately made me unhappy. Every time I've got down the path of being interested, ultimately it's made me happy. But that's my life experiences, so... Which makes it true for you, for sure. And it makes certainly elements, pieces, majority of, true for many other people as well. 
and for me, and I'm imagining a lot of people feel this way. I want to be true to myself. I want to be true to who I am. You mentioned a self-concept earlier attached to ego, give ourselves validity. And that's such a dangerous road. I'll try to remember to come back to that thought in a second. Um, but in order for me to continue to improve, to evolve, to develop, to learn, certainly it's, I believe it's important to go out and look for concepts, philosophies, ideas, behaviors that people I look up to in any way have applied in their life. And it's not necessarily trying to be them. It's trying to look for parts and pieces that would adapt and fit into how I see either myself or who I want myself to be, depending on the situation, and try to adapt and apply those along the way. Self-image is likely among the most powerful and destructive concepts we have. More often than not, I feel we find ourselves thinking and acting in ways, and there's research to substantiate a great deal of this. That's not mine. I mean, just see Robert Cialdini start there and go beyond. But where we seek opportunities to think, act, and behave in which are consistent with our self-image. And that tends to put us on a narrow path, keep us on that narrow path, has us ignoring or explaining away ideas and concepts that don't fit in, and has us, for the purpose of this conversation, communicating with people in a way that we feel is living up to who we see ourselves as, which might actually be living down to how we are in the rest of the world. So in your case, with how you have apparently in so many ways let that go. How do you tie your self-image into this fascination with curiosity and the dedication to the learning mentality? We started a call where I said I put you on a throne. But I do realize the throne is an illusion. I would rather sit at your feet than sit on the throne because that illusion does not create happiness for me. I am an individual who is very comfortable in my own skin. Because I don't have that need to make you like me. Your emotions towards me do not change the quality of my life. To reach that realization took me a long time because I found myself reciprocating. So if you like me, I would like you. If you love me, I would love you, right? It's easy for me now to say, hey, Michael, and I said it at the start of the conversation, I love being around you, I love you, right? I don't need that reciprocity. I don't need that reverse emotion. Because 
my joy comes from the act of loving. My ego is fed from the need to be loved. But at its purest form, the words can be exchanged. It's it's a place of serenity. It's a it's a place of calmness. It's a place of really serving. When when you call, when you send me and saying, when you sent me the note saying, would you mind being on the podcast? My response was, I think as soon as I saw it, I said. I want to be on it, but I have to give some times. So it took about a week for me to respond. And I remember saying, I apologize for the delay, but I was looking for the time that made sense because I was traveling quite a bit. But there was that initial feeling of joy because I had the opportunity to serve Michael. And through that action, I can serve the listeners. Because Michael's scale is fairly large. He's a successful author. He, you probably know way more CEOs than I do. Uh, you are in an, from my frame of reference, in an elevated position. I can always learn from you. Because you're collecting a lot of data points around this field that you choose to share with others. So that's the way you're serving your community. And you're making money along the way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think from all my interactions with you, Whenever I've seen you either upset or angry is when I've seen your basic ethos of that person not serving the customer uh, in a manner that I would. My partner is not doing it at a level that I deem is the minimum standards. So that ethos is something that I really, I, if I use the word respect, it means it's hierarchical, right? Like I respect you. So I'll use a different word. I revere it. Because that's a holistic term. It is a, it is your joy of being a human and it's me paying homage to our interconnectedness. The reverence is mutual. <laughs> that was a different way of saying thank you. Now, here's an interesting point, right? You need transitions. And the way you choose to have your transitions, when you're comfortable, is you don't need your bridges. When you're when you're looking for time, you will go to thank you. That's your go-to transition. So 
why was there, why did you need the transition this time and not the last time? Confession again, I'm better at getting punched in the face than taking compliments. I've never been comfortable with it. And why is that? That might be a conversation, a longer conversation for another day. I don't know that I have a good answer for that question. I mean, I came from a loving family. So, I mean, I don't have any like childhood trauma with my parents. Well, but you, yeah, but you're going to a place which is kind of like, oh, there's got to be trauma. No, it's there's something else, which is if you can accept the compliments, the insults would be less more. If you can accept who you are, your ability to listen will improve. True. You will no longer need transitions. You'll be able to be in the moment without the transition. Very good. And I wasn't, I wasn't in my mind, I wasn't complimenting you. I was giving traits that I know people that know you more can relate to because that's the way you communicate. It it's your value system that says it's a compliment. It's not my value system that says it's a compliment. In my value system, it's simply stating facts as I view them. You are choosing to take it as a compliment. Egoless listening means there is no ego, so you're not getting a compliment. The minute you use that word, you're creating some sort of a screen in accepting information. Because it's either good or bad. You're using judgment. Like I've meandered all over the place. And is this what you were looking for? I mean, is this something oh, that yeah. the, the, the listeners would appreciate? Or is there any kind of closing questions you have? No, I believe it's something that they're going to illustrate. And, and when I made the joke early on that when we have conversations, there are no rails. Like there's, there's a lot of truth in that statement. So for me, your perspective, your wisdom, the way you experience and evaluate the world, I believe is something well worth sharing with the world. I've met a lot of people. I've had wonderful opportunities to have conversations with people that have changed the trajectory of my life. And I've invited a lot of them to have conversations as part of this show. You, of course, being one. Um, Although our conversations have typically been short when our paths have crossed, the impact has far, far outshone the time that we spent together based on what you shared with me. So for me, there was no agenda to this conversation other than trying to find an avenue to share that wisdom and perspective with other people. You did mention traits earlier. When you are looking for either leaders to invest in or specialists to learn from or people to welcome into your circle, what particular traits are you typically looking for? Or maybe a better way, if you're not looking for them, which traits typically catch your attention first? Curiosity is the first one. 
Uh, it's a primary driver of continuous learning. Because I'm in the early stage business, I would expect pivots. People that can't listen can't pivot. The first business plan will more, I, I don't think I've ever seen a first business plan go to fruition. It's always changed. The second would be flexibility. Can that business or that person change? And that trait to welcome change is, is really, in my mind, important, really important. Uh, and I would say the third trait would be Do I, do I engage with that individual in an authentic manner? I have lied. There is nobody I know that has never lied. I just lied to my grandkid four days ago because she needed the sleep. And I told her of something bad, like we're going to a concert. And I said, look, I can't take you to the concert if you don't sleep. Well, that wasn't a true statement. I was going to take her to the concert no matter what. But the world says that's not really a lie. But it is a lie. It is a lie at the core. So my point is it's not about truth and lies. It's about truth in the moment. It's about being aware of the power of their words and the impact that it has on me and vice versa. So it's the, these, some people call it chemistry, but I think it goes beyond chemistry because there is a bond that's built. And that bond allows all the turmoil and problems that we face make them into joys rather than problems. It becomes, oh boy, we get to solve something else rather than, oh my God, this is a problem. And I never ever do a major investment without my wife talking to that person because she's got this sixth sense that, that the scam artists can't get past. So no, like, I mean, we've been best of friends for 50 years now. And got, we've been married for like, whatever, 43, 40, 45 years now. Uh, but you can't get past her. Like, you just can't. Like, I've, I've never seen her make a bad call. One last question. I, I know we booked an hour and you've got a full oh, calendar. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I kept, I kept a opening after this because I know these things always don't finish right on time. I appreciate it. Considering how insightful you are, do you have favorite questions or ex questions to ask or experiences to share with people in order to try to learn if they possess these qualities or not? Yes. 
And those favorite questions are usually given to me by them. So your favorite question when I first met you in Dublin was teach me more about what you're doing. That unlocked you completely. Because your source of joy is teaching. And so that's how I began that relationship with you. So what I do is I look for what's most important to you and then ask that question. And people will always tell you what's important to them. I agree. If you listen to them long enough, they're going to give you the playbook. As opposed to going in with a rigid agenda prior to the conversation and missing all of that. Yeah, it's... uh, How did I prepare for this call? I I kind of knew... I know you, so I know directionally kind of which way you were going to go. And I kind of reread portions of your book. And then I said, okay, what's the emphasis that you kind of was the conclusive piece of data that you gave in your book? And I think that was on your second to last page. And I opened the conversation with this where I said, the language you used was, how do I get my mind's eye to focus on the recipient, not on myself? So it was that. So the preparation for this call was to say, what's important to Michael? Because that's the way he serves his community is to teach them this concept of keeping the mind's eye away from themselves onto the others. And that was the direction I needed at the start of the conversation. And so that's how I followed the playbook. So I was listening to you through the words you wrote. So that's how I knew those were the questions that were going to come from you. And so that's how I prepared for it. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we'll begin to wrap up with this. I'm sure you recall, at least in part, ooh, I don't know that it was 10 years ago. It might have been 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago, maybe now, something like that. I was in your city. I was there for an event. You were able to share some time. So I, I came over and met you in your office and I arrived with no agenda similar to today to a degree, but really just looking to catch up and and spend some time with you. And you asked me some questions about some things that I had going on. And I mentioned to you something very pressing that I was dealing with. And I said, and I meant it at the time, I was convinced of it. It's either going to end spectacularly or it's going to end in disaster. And you looked at me, paused, and just very calmly said, That's not how you taught me to think. 
And at first I was floored that I taught you anything. I mean, I know how much you'd like to learn, but considering the context of our relationship, I don't know that anybody, my wife would be the other one in this conversation. You and her would be the only two people that have ever said something so calmly and so gently and had it hit like a freight train. And as I walked out of your building that day, thinking about that specific sentence, it probably took me another two to three years to figure out how to apply it. But I eventually did. And I literally would not be here today without that one comment that you made. So for all of the time that we spent together and hopefully we'll continue to spend together, I want you to at least know the impact that that statement had on me. And hopefully this conversation will have on many other people as well. Thank you. My pleasure. I had the opportunity to serve, for which I'm deeply grateful and very appreciative. Well, thank you very much for spending your time today, Rudy. It is always amazing to see you. Thank you so much. I look forward to hopefully talking with you again soon. Be well, my friend. Once again, Rudy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I'm grateful for your opportunity to share your time with us. I know you have a lot going on. So thank you very much for joining us, for sharing your perspective, sharing your ideas. Just the thought of positioning myself sitting at somebody's feet instead of the throne and taking all of your perspective and how you listen and honestly, how you've caused me to think about myself differently and how I communicate differently just in that short conversation is just another example of the impact that you've had on me and hopefully all the listeners as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And of course, please check out our sponsors, Humantel. Head over to humantel.com and enter the code INCLUSIVE25 for 25% off of all of their online training if you're interested in expanding your observation skill set into understanding what people are likely thinking and feeling when you recognize their facial expressions and their nonverbal expressions, changing, indicating an internal emotional shift. Also, please check out Emotional Intelligence Magazine, ei-magazine.com for all of their emotional intelligence related content podcasts videos articles events training so many things that have going on there please check them out and yes please especially for the investigative interviewers please check out the international association of interviewers at certifiedinterviewer.com that organization is solely dedicated to forwarding the industry of interview and interrogation and making sure through the resources they provide the legal updates they're working behind the scenes to influence laws all kinds of things that they're doing to make sure that every time an interviewer sits down to have a conversation they're conducting a morally, legally, and ethically sound conversation. So check out the International Association of Interviewers as well. Thank you all again for being here and sharing your time with us. I'm grateful for it. When your time allows, please do all the things the algorithms ask us. Give, Make sure Rudy and all of these guests get the exposure that they so richly deserve. Please like, please share, please comment, please tell your friends about it. If you have anybody that you think would be a great guest, please let us know so we can have them on and share their perspective as well. And of course, let us know your feedback. What have you learned so far? Were you applying? What haven't you enjoyed so much? So we continue to adapt the conversations as we go. Thank you so much. Please stay safe, take care of each other. And we'll see you next time.